Odds and Ends. This is uh, Dave Singh and Rob Friesen get, helping you get ready for the week and the Stock Odds podcast. Good evening, yeah, Rob. Well, How's everything? We'd like to help them, right? You know, this is uh, this is why we do this. Uh, if we can provide any insights, uh, any tidbits that can help you. Again, frame everything by, you know, um, looking at things for yourself, too, and, and um, you know, weighing the probabilities of, of outcomes. Because none of us have a guarantee, you know, we don't know for sure uh, how things will play out. So just frame it with your own research, please. And um, But hopefully we do have a few takeaways. So uh, let's kick it off, Dave, with what do you got on the docket here? Yeah, I mean, we had such a big week this past week, a lot of selling, uh, big movements in the indices, and we're kind of approaching the final five days of the, the month. It kind of starts on Tuesday, so it's going to be split. It's not all in one week. But uh, we are approaching the final five days of the month. So I did some work on the seasonality almanac for the last five days. But um, do you want to talk about the indices first and some of the yeah, bigger Yeah, maybe we should frame that. <clears throat> Actually, the first thing is, if we look at the the news, you know, like what are the events for the week? Well, um, Tuesday, you've got uh, January Consumer Confidence at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That is actually important. The, the Consumer Confidence is um, definitely been shifting. We've seen a, a, a lot of sentiment change. Um, so pay attention to that. Wednesday, of course, we have the FOMC rate decision. And that's at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, before that, at 10 a.m., we do have new home sales. That can also uh, be a driver. Uh, Thursday, we go into initial and continuing claims. Friday is kind of important with personal income spending, PCE price and core for December. Um, so, again, how are we doing on this inflation front, right? I mean, <clears throat> regarding the Fed meeting, you know, infl inflation is kind of driving the Fed policy, and and markets want clarity you know there's a lot of opinions there's a lot of noise we've kind of had a a little bit more speeding up of the taper program but i think people really want clarity in terms of the interest rate cycle and um you know now that the markets are selling off you know the banter would increase well well maybe if it gets bad enough they're not going to be so aggressive blah 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 right so um, that that could play into things a little bit. Uh, when we're looking at potential saber rattling, you know, uh, the the drum of war, uh, you've got Ukraine situation, you've still got Taiwan. Um, so over the weekend, there's been more uh, escalation of, um, you know, the banter and the conjecture and stuff. So keep that in mind. That kind of, you know, plays a little bit into... Uh, defensive stocks uh, in general, but also defense contractor stocks. Uh, now, we do have earnings on a couple of them this week, which we'll talk about in a minute here. But, um, you know, it, it should be a good backdrop. So, so when I look at uh, the macro, I'm not super excited about shorting oil stocks, even though the market's going down. You know, I would kind of take them and, and look at them separately. Um, same thing as defense contractors. Uh, I would look th at them separately. I wouldn't lump them all into, well, the market's going down, so pretty much you can short anything. It doesn't, it doesn't work exactly like that. Even on the worst days, there's always some stocks that end up green. Um, so uh, 
Yeah, over, uh, let's see, uh, I got that. Over to you, Dave, and then we'll come back. We'll roll back to me. What do you What do you see? And I, I just talked about oil and defense contractors. Anything that you see in the groups for the seasonality this week? Uh, in the groups, there's still a, this bit of a risk off kind of uh, tone that shows up in the seasonality ominous. Uh, one of the things that pops up are, are uh, Riot blockchain, right? So Bitcoin. Uh, expected to be down with riot blockchain is one of the symbols <laughs> yeah um, well <laughs> that's a crypto ain't having such a good spell yeah. right now are they <laughs> and, and some of the ones expected to do well or, or, according to the stats are GameStop and amc as individuals but um things like the the iwm the russell is expected to underperform the spider based on the stats yeah, well, that AMC is going to be a part of that. I mean, it's one of the top yeah. stocks in the in the Russell, right? And uh, you know, it's it hasn't been doing so well anyway. So I, I don't know. Again, here's where kind of the macro and the experience can can kind of come in and trump that seasonality, if you know what I mean, right? Here's one: RK expected to perform the spider as well, minus one point five three for the ARC fund versus minus 0.62 for the spider for the final five days. So again, um, the, the higher beta growthier stuff expected to underperform. Things like industrials, XLI expected to do better than the spider. Um, XLU expected to do way better than the spider. So again, more defensive. Um, real estate, XLRE, also expected to outperform the spider quite a bit. And gold. Those are some positive things. Energy expected to do worse than the spider. So um, the stats say final week uh, of, of January could be pretty weak for oil. Well, I know, but but again, <clears throat> so that's what the seasonality would suggest under normal conditions, right? Uh, and going back and looking back at the last eight years. The, the problem is when you take a look at what the drumbeat is saying right now, Oil still has some room to move. It's still showing a good relative strength overall to the upside. And uh, now we have more of the war, you know, conjecture going on. So I, I, I would just kind of say, all right, well, this is where a macro is directly butting heads with the seasonality. And the financials, another example of that too, like the, the seasonality suggests that um, financials should do worse than the spider. But um, it's all dependent on the 10-year. If the 10-year starts rallying even further, we could expect uh, financials to do well, actually. So uh, that's yeah. another example. Yeah, I would um, – you know, rolling back to what we talked about last um, Monday night, because we, we, we did this on Monday, we said um, we were looking at mid-month seasonality. And we were looking at, because we're kind of in the middle of it, so we were continuing that theme and we were looking out to expiration Friday, right? And we said favors XLU, XLP, SMH, uh, and and XLK and GDX. Well, four out of those five, you know, were, were not too bad. And we said doesn't favor XLF, XLI, and IWM. And those certainly did take it on the chin a lot more. Um, so the seasonality does hold up for the most part, but like I said, you have to ask the question, is there any macro influences that are directly competing with the history repeating itself of seasonality? And that's how you yeah. stay really safe and sharp is you, you consider what's opposing 
that normal re repeat of history. Mm -hmm. OK. Good. So um, on to the futures, hey, maybe. I mean, uh, yeah, let's talk about that. What do you see for the, uh, the yeah, diamonds? We have a, yeah, we have a nice bounce back from Friday's sell off. Well, um, the Dow's a 0.6 to 0.8 range for most of the indices. NASDAQ's the best of the four indices right now. It's up 0.8%. And oil's up as well, and the VIX is down. So it's kind of like a, a rebound from Friday's sell off. <clears throat> Yeah, we, did you notice we went on Friday we, after the close, we went down further in the extended hours, right? Yeah, and then Bitcoin sold off more. Right. As a kind of a leading indicator. So. so it has, you know, they have bounced up for now. Um, the Dow is probably more on its support level or clo came close to its support level at the 34,000 on the, on the index, the Dow Jones index. 34,000. Um, the S&P is a ways off from the October low. I'm going to measure more significant support on these by what we saw in October. Um, at, at, because here's the thing. We broke the 200-day uh, moving average. So we're below that on these indices, ind indices anyway. Um, and, and, and it's the first time since April of 2020 we've done that. So here we've been, you know, almost two years without breaking the 200. And, it, and the market's been extremely self-correcting. And, and now we're breaking down. So, so there, this presents a tremendous amount of risk. And it wouldn't surprise me if we had any bounces met with further selling. That would not surprise me in the least, because I think this whole problem is, um, you know, we had we had per, per, look. Let's look back over the last number of years. We've had perfect market conditions. We've had a lot of demand for equities because of the low low interest rate. You know, seeking, you know, how are we going to how are we going to make money? How can we get a return? Well, we got to go into the market. So we've had a lot of demand. We've had low rates, low volatility. They've been self-correcting markets, and we've had corporate buybacks and all that. But then from that came a ton of SPACs. I mean, every single person in Hollywood has their own SPAC, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm being facetious, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. like <clears throat> IPOs and so on, and they came out by the bucket load. So we've got tremendous uh, amount of supply in terms of what people can can go into, and we've had more and more ETFs created as well. So you look at that and you go, there, you know, if if people start pulling back, like what what do they do first when things start to drop more than just a a small correction? Like, oh, here's a little buying opportunity. But when it's like, there's the buying opportunity you already bought, and now it's going lower. And you kind of like, I don't want to buy anymore. If people just stop buying, but uh -huh. we still have supply, what's going to happen? It's going to go down. It's going to go down further, mm. and 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 it, and it won't correct until people are willing to commit again. Um, but the landscape gets really shuffled. The deck really gets shuffled, and you're seeing uh, a lot of these. Um, 
speculative names, high PE names, and we discussed this uh, last two sessions that we did for our listeners. You know, we discussed the PE trade, um, uh -huh. you know, speculative trade, and I and I, I don't see any uh, sign of that changing. You know, I just wrote an article for Stocks Commodities Magazine about this is a massive opportunity in pairs over the next, uh, you know, number of months to number of years, if it lasts that long, in terms of things actually mattering fundamentally. Mm -hmm. Like, they actually do matter finally again. You know, who would have thought? But, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, people like Buffett are... You know they don't matter anymore. That's not how the markets mm -hmm. work. Uh, I would I would beg to differ that at at some point, earnings actually do matter. <laughs> at some point, maybe. So it's a regime change back to the fundamental. <laughs> hey, <bias. clears throat> speaking of earnings, speaking of earnings, we've got IBM tomorrow. That's mm -hmm. uh, after the close. Tuesday before the open, we have American Express. 3M, GE, Johnson Johnson, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, and Verizon. Just naming some of the bigger ones. Tuesday after the close, Capital One, Microsoft, Texan. Uh -huh. um, then let's roll into Wednesday. You know, Abbott Labs, Boeing, um, FCX. Uh, those those are some of the bigger ones uh, before the open. After the close. We have mm, scanning the list here a little bit. Um, Tesla, That's Tesla after the after, and Xilinx. So it's in a merger with AMD, obviously. Um, so that's after the close on Wednesday, right? And then, and of course, we, that's FOMC day as well. And then Thursday, you've got um, Alaska Airlines. You've got JetBlue, some airline stuff there. Rockwell Automation. Um, you've got Southwest. So all the airlines on Thursday there. Not all, but some. Um, and then we got Valero Energy, Excel Energy. After the close, uh, some home builders, Beezer, things like that. Um, Robert Half, U.S. Steel, Visa, Western Digital, Juniper Networks. And then Friday uh, before the open, you've got Chevron and Caterpillar, Colgate. You've got um, Weyerhaeuser. And so that takes us right up to the weekend there. So, um, you know, we're in earnings season. We got some big names this week. Keep on top of that. General rule of thumb is. You know, if you don't know what they're going to do, obviously uh, don't necessarily need to hold overnight into earnings. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you're doing trading on the day of earnings, you know, remember there's usually an analyst meeting, things like that. Um, so it's stock can, can move around a lot. Doesn't really get to back to more business as usual until two or three days after earnings event. I think Apple Thursday after the close, I don't know if you mentioned that one too. That could be a mover. Oh, well. did I miss that one? Yeah. Thursday? Oh, Microsoft and Tesla are the three big ones. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, so uh, so it's a, it's a busy week for sure with everything that's on the docket. I would definitely recommend, you know, getting up a bit earlier, making sure that uh, you got a read of the 
the news and um, what's happened, you know, in the overnight session, because there's a lot of geopolitical stuff going on. Um, you know, and I think, I think all this liquidity that we've had over the last couple of years, you know, has really caused a lack of, of discipline, of selectivity and financial prudence. And I think that's coming home to roost. I think, uh, you know, there's consequences to pay for that. And we're in the middle of this potential uh, correction. It could certainly go a lot lower, or we could hold up at uh, the October lows is kind of where I'm looking both for the S&P um, and the um, the Qs, the NASDAQ 100, because um, it's sitting it's sitting about there right now. So if it breaks its October lows, then um, I would be concerned that we're going to fall down into the March uh, to uh, May type uh, lows for for 2021. So um, just just remember, like the the level that we're kind of at or getting close to is very significant, but we're already below the 200 day moving average. Yeah. So it's we've already busted something that was you know, not even in, in this, in the sites for a long time. Uh -huh. Now we broke it. Yeah. Now we're sitting close to, you know, October lows. Where do we go from here? Do we bounce back up, you know, or are we going to see a further decline? Um, are you ready for even some weird stuff to happen? Like times when we've been under duress, we've seen fat finger trades, like somebody liquidates a basket at the market and causes a you know miniature flash crash or something mm -hmm. so so i wouldn't be surprised uh you know whatever goes on um but i would i would certainly add more risk i mean we've been we've been kind of since september we've already been talking about greater risk coming into the market that already happened actually in august 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 and september we were calling for that Mm -hmm. And that was partly because of the government debt ceiling and the other, the budget not getting done and all that. So we said more risk. We did recover from that in September and beginning of October, and we actually were able to rally back. Mm -hmm. But now we've come back to that level. Yeah. And I think it's significant. Well, it should be an interesting week and uh, we'll see how things play out. Yeah, so definitely keep on the bullish side. Um, gold may, is still looking okay for me. Uh, oil still looking good. And some defense contractors pulling them out of the industrials. Um, and then um, obviously favoring a little bit more of the defensive stuff like utilities and um, maybe consumer staples. And still looking at risk off overall, even though we're getting a bounce as we speak in the futures, I don't know if it'll hold. I'm suspecting it may not in light of the current conditions, but who knows? I mean, if, if people think that the Fed is going to be, you know, kind of changing its tune or adding this clarity and, and maybe not being so so uh, hawkish, um, maybe we'll uh, bounce already ahead of the AF, you know, Wednesday meeting, right? So, all right. On the
but we do get some vicious rallies in the midst of these downturns as well. So oh, that, well, one, that wouldn't be surprised me if we had a. You're right. I mean, if you go into a bear market at all, uh, you can get some of the most powerful rallies within a bear market, right? Um, so, you know, uh, the, thing, the thing with volatility is you have to stay nimble. So when doing baskets, for example, if you have you know, or even pairs, if you have a really good yield, return on capital in a very short period of time, it's often good to grab it because it may not last as things swing both ways with volatility. Whereas when you have really low volatility and good breadth in the market, it's usually prudent to let it continue to build and not take, you know, the early money. So that's the difference between volatility and, um, you know, breadth. Okay. Well, it should be interesting this week. Let's see how things go. All right. Well, thanks for your time. Take care.